and boom goes the dynamite. Cause I, I, I'm in the stars tonight. So watch me bring the fire, set the night light. Shoes on, get up in the morning, cup of milk, let's rock and roll. Kink out, kick the drum, rolling on like a rolling stone. Sing song when I'm walking home, jump up to the top of the brown. Ding dong, call me on my phone, nice tea, and I'll get my ping pong. And welcome to episode 92 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Good morning, Jeff. I have woken from my week-long sort of coma-type, like, dissociative situation that I've sort of been <laughs> in since I got home from my, uh, my long Michigan trip. Uh, feeling good. I'm feeling ready to go to talk about this um, this episode of Dynamite that happened. Yes. Um, I'm going to ask if you saw Dark or Dark Elevation, because I guess uh, last weekend they taped several episodes of Dark from the Dark Pack Zone, apparently. Yes, uh, a new Dark Pack Zone, and uh, I made a Dark Pact with myself to watch all of this stuff. Uh <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did. I watched Elevation and I watched Dark this week, actually. Uh, I didn't retain a ton of it, but, you know, they were fun enough. Um, there was some Jay Cargo, Layla Hirsch stuff that hyped up this match, so that was cool to see. Uh, they both came in under an hour, which I like. You know, we talked about, like, those bloated episodes of Dark they were doing pre-Elevation. And, you know, these things are, like, between 45 and 55 minutes now, and uh, that's a nice zone if you're going to, like, pop into these shows. So yeah, it was it was nice. It was uh, you know worth watching if you got extra time or whatever. Right on, right on. So, My opinion uh, on Dark and Elevation doesn't change a whole lot week to week. It's got wrestling, and if you want like some extra wrestling to supplement yourself, and you want more wrestling in a given week, I'd say go watch it. If you know uh, uh, Dynamite and or Rampage are enough for you, then you know don't bother. But either way. It's there. It's there for you. I mean, they're doing, and now we, we we got the announcement during this program of a two-hour rampage happening next week from well, the art. this, because it's like a special event, right? Yeah. So this is cool. I mean, I, I'm, I like that Rampage is an hour-long show. Uh, I talk about this on, you know, the Rampage show that I do, but right. <laughs> uh, it, I really do enjoy that it's an hour-long show. I love hour-long wrestling shows, but having specials here and there is nice, and, you know, this thing at Arthur Ashe Stadium is a really good opportunity to do that. So I'm looking forward to next week. It looks like we got another one of these little special-type things going on, and given their track record this year, 2021, these TV specials, they knocked them out of the park. Um, There's another basic there for the Grand Slam. Right, right. Well, is that is that uh? Well, but you see, the Grand Slam is also a tennis thing because they're at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's still Grand Slam, and this is America, Jeff. So, Uh, I'm sorry, did I miss where Arthur Ashe was not an American tennis player? Arthur Ashe, uh, probably if, if you gave him a, a, a baseball bat, I'm sure, you know, the swinging motions are sort of similar, would probably do great. I mean, he could probably at least get it over the green monster in, uh, in Fenway Park. 
And, you know, Yankee Stadium is a band box, brother. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, so did they say if that Rampage is going to be live or are they just going to do a four-hour show at the Arthur Ashe Stadium on Wednesday? Sounds like Rampage is live that week. I think it's two two-hour shows, or uh, like they sort of like they did um, in Chicago, had a live Rampage there. Uh, they said that Rampage will, you know, be a mixture of live and taped. Yeah. So I think from, it looks to be a live one. I, I guess we'll follow up on that. But yeah, I think it's going to be live, Jeff. Yeah. And speaking of of Chicago, they they are coming back for Thanksgiving Eve, like they did in 2019. Only this time, it's not in Hoffman Estates. They're actually going to the city uh, yeah. at the Wintrust Arena. The uh, site of Revolution, is that right? Yeah, that was where Revolution 2020 happened. Um, So, yeah, I got to think about if I'm going to be buying tickets for that because we all know my ticket saga from this past, uh, you know, this past Labor Day week. Yeah, either you don't you don't do that, or we can get you know buy Jeff's tickets too uh, for (laughs) a Dynamite special. Well, you know, again, I. I think I may see – I'm going to dip my toe in the waters because, you know, I have Gary Newman coming up in October. And That's true. the Park West has declared that, you know, everyone will be masked and you, you need to show proof of vaccine to enter. So, and that's how you feel safest of all. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, but, you know, uh, my honey and I have tickets for churches uh, earlier in November – as well so i i gotta think that that one may be so yeah um you know dynamite from the wind trust may be a game time decision uh it's the only way to live jeff yeah well <laughs> is that the only gary newman song you know yes okay fair <laughs> i guarantee you you've heard another one even if you don't realize it probably do, 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 do you know do you know this well do you know the song uh where's your head at by basement jacks I do. Uh, that was a sample of M.E. by uh, Gary Newman from that same album, by the way. I certainly heard that song in Cars. <laughs> well, see, there you go. <laughs> and with that, we go live to the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. my The state of my birth for episode 102 of AEW Dynamite. Your host, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, and joining on commentary... Charles Montgomery Punk, uh, that that is copyright uh, Dave Ryan of the Days of Thunder podcast. It's, Charles that's Montgomery, what... that's, that's pretty good. Um, uh, shout out to the big homie Doug Crap uh, was talking about uh, CM Punk and cutting promos, and uh, I had said that uh, it's, the CM stands for Chatty Man. All the the promos he's been cutting, <laughs> the commentary he's been doing instead of wrestling. Yeah, well, I got beef with him, so. Oh, oh. <laughs> and you know well, why. I mean, and you know why, I do, too. I do know why you had beef with Doug Crab, because he thinks your name doesn't exist. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad, Doug. Too bad. Oh, we're beating. All right, and we go uh, from there into our first match of the evening, the in-ring AEW debut of uh, one Adam Cole versus Frankie Kazarian. Hey um what did you think uh i think a lot of what i think about a lot of the debut matches for these type of guys it was kind of went along this through line i think aew is starting to develop an in-ring identity with a lot of their matches it's not all the way there and i wouldn't call it anything near like the sort of identity you'd call WWE style or like what's known as WWE style among wrestling fans. I don't think they have that yet, but I do think there's an identity and like a, a very specific thing they like to do, 
you know, booking, you know, uh, people's paths into AEW. And, you know, your first match, you want a guy that you match up well with that can give you, you know, good work, a good ring hand. Uh, I think Frankie Kazarian was the right guy for that, right? Uh, this match was just fine. Yeah, it that was it. It was just fine. Uh, I thought that. That's I don't need a barn burner right now. Like I don't need Adam Cole's best match to be his first one. I need to remember Adam Cole's there. I need to see what his identity is, what he, what the look is, what the move set's gonna look like, and I want him to, you know, uh, uh, get those kinks out and feel good in front of the crowd. And Frankie Kazarian's a guy that will give you that kind of match. He's not like a, a guy who's not gonna make mistakes. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's also just the matter of, you know what, honestly, Adam Cole doesn't really rock my socks. I mean, I, he's just kind of there. I just, I, I mean. I'm with you on that, actually. I mean, to me, my my favorite memory of Adam Cole was the Bourdain episode, which is where, you know, I was first introduced to Britt Baker, actually. Uh, so, you know, but, you know, also eating Polish food in Pittsburgh, you know. <laughs> It, it kind of went a long, kind of went a long way with uh, with, with a certain uh, my honey that lives in my house. <laughs> yes, um, but uh, one the, thing I didn't get to do in Detroit is is get over to Hamtramck and eat a bunch of Polish food. That's like the one thing I wanted to do that I didn't get to do. Like the one thing I didn't get to eat. Uh, I'm very disappointed. But I'll be back in January, so uh, we're we're off to Hamtramck. We're going under the eagle, baby. I think I I think I've told you this before, but in in the '80s there was a uh, a mini comic cartoonist named Matt Feasel who did a a stick figure uh, mini comic called Cynical Man that took place in Hamtramck. Ah, nice. <laughs> so, I, I I know a lot of cynical men from Hamtramck. My grandfather was one of them. <laughs> Uh, my favorite bit from this match was uh, CM Punk. Florida man goes for a ride. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that that was CM pretty Punk funny. Was, was good on commentary right away for the time he was on the uh, uh, the mic. More on that later. Uh, he uh, was very serviceable. It was nice to hear him back in the booth. I think he's always been good at this kind of stuff. Ter- he's Ter- a commentator for MMA right now for CFFC as well. Oh, is that right? Yes, he's been. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I remember he made a joke about AEW. You know, two weeks before yes, the debut. Uh, so uh, the other commentator teed him up and said, uh, "This guy's returning to his wrestling, right, Punk? You know about that returning to wrestling." And uh, Punk said, "Yeah, he's taking all elite right now." <laughs> yeah, I think I, yeah, I remember that. Uh, Cole does get the win with a uh, with a combination of uh, Tequila Sunrise, or, or I guess they call it Panama Sunrise. Yeah, Panama Sunrise. Tequila Sunrise is Conan. I've ever duh. Yes. Uh, yeah, Panama Sunrise and uh, a, a still not a, anywhere near as good as Keiji Mudo, Shining Wizard. So, well, I mean, who has who has as good uh, a Shining Wizard as Keiji Mudo besides AJ Lee, brother? Uh, yeah, no, not many people. Not many people. No. Uh, afterwards, Adam Cole uh, brings a story time with Adam Cole, baby, uh, where he calls out Christian Cage and Jurassic Express and challenges uh, them to a six-man match with uh, against him and the Young Bucks. So the super click is back. Use Mount Rushmore, you cowards. Love that this is a Rampage match. Uh, it, it kind of they're they're doing a really good job making this sort of a good lane for Rampage. While still, like, the show feels impactful. These matches feel impactful that they're, like, being featured on that show versus, like, the top or the center of a Dynamite card. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and with Rampage having, you know, the average being three matches per card is what we've seen so far um, out of that. You know, you know this thing will get some time. It'll get at least, a, you know, a good solid ten minutes. And uh, I, for a Friday night, like, especially if it's a main event, it'll be Friday at almost midnight this will be on. 
really cool time for this. I think it'll be a really fun match. Uh, Good does, energy. Does the dark pack zone feel impactful? Yes. Well, okay. I mean, as impactful as going to be. No, but for real, I'm glad they're doing dark in a studio. Since you asked, I do think it's cool. I love studio wrestling shows. Um, I liked the crowd noise with Shivani's commentary. Like it has this big time high studio production value, but also feels small. And I think it's got a really cool vibe and aesthetic versus their other programs. So I do think like if you're seeking out some extra wrestling, like I said earlier in the show, uh, this new studio dark is worth checking out. I think it's fun. Uh, after that, we get a, uh, videotape promo between Butcher and the Blade and uh, the Lucha Bros. Hyping the up. The lads are back, Jeff. Yeah, uh, Andy Williams is back. Yes, you love to hear it. He had a finger injury, I believe, so mm. that's probably why they weren't doing YouTube shows either, Yeah, um, which, which makes perfect sense. They also wrestled on Dark, that first studio Dark. I think they were the opening match, if I remember correctly. So uh, really nice to see them back together and uh, really nice to hear what they're doing next, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that that'll be a fun match on 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 a on uh, I think this week's rampage, uh, isn't it? Page uh, for the tag team championship. You got the butcher and the blade of the Lucha Brothers. That's going to be really worth watching. Yeah, it is. Um, we then get uh, Tony Schiavone backstage with Fuego del Sol and Sammy Guevara, in which uh, Fuego del Sol puts up his car for another challenge against Miro. You forgot the most important character of this segment, and it's the car that's definitely about to get absolutely destroyed. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, so he, he put his car up. Uh, they might as well going to check out on the side of that car. Yep, well, there you go. it is going to get annihilated. I, I hope, there's, you, a, hope there's good insurance on it. There's good full coverage insurance. I'm sure, I'm sure Tony kind of is great. What do you think they're going to use to destroy the car, Jeff? What, what weapons do you think Miro will use? Do you think just bare hands? Like he's just going to punch it I think out? He's just gonna th- I think he's just going to throw Fuego del Sol through it. I think Fuego del Sol goes through the windshield. But he said he's going to smash the car. So, like, I feel like Sledgehammer uh, or something adjacent to it. No, nah, man. It's going to be like Street Fighter. Oh, just like he's going to just gonna use the, the axe handles on top of it? Just yep. axe handle smash? There you go. I would love that. Just, like, straight up looking like Zangief. Yeah, that's right. Zangi- <laughs> Good old Zangief. <laughs> you, know, you know, he was real, right? Sure, it'll work. Yeah. Uh, after that, we get uh, MJF out to talk to the people of New Jersey. And I just have to say, I thought he was trying way too hard today. Like, it was... Always trying way too hard. That's the, that's the thing, though. That's the whole point of it. Is it, though? Because it, it was not landing with me today. It's landed for me on every level, Jeff. I, so I have to disagree with you wholeheartedly. I thought uh, it was as effective as MJF always is. Uh, he's just a real, real fucking shithead. And you just want to hate him so much. And, and you need to hate guys. You need to have guys you don't like that are bad, that you don't like. Yeah, I get that, but it just it didn't it didn't work for me. Is the thing that's why? Right. How? I don't know. It just didn't land for me for some reason. I, a lot. A spoiler. A lot of this show didn't land for me today okay. for some reason. Well, like, I want to get. Like, was it, it? Do you think it was too insensitive? Like, did, was it really the nature of like disrespecting Brian Pillman Senior? Like, did that really like? Was that no, no? That that was actually the least of it. I, I I expected bullshit like that. It's just you know the 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 try hardness of trying to diss New Jersey and Queens. Like, I mean, come on, man. How 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 are you gonna disrespect? So you're starting to hype that you're gonna be at Arthur Ashe Stadium. So I think for the match that you're gonna be in, that makes sense, right? I mean, true, but I mean, how are you gonna diss you know Peter Parker's Holmberg? 
well, because he's from Long Island. Like, and that's I think that's what makes it funnier is that he's dissing all these places while he's from Long Island. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. That's, I, that's the whole gimmick of it. Like, I, I get it. I, you know, always remember MJF's level of self-awareness. He is definitely a really self-aware guy. Yeah. Well. Um, I guess, I, you know, like I said, it just didn't work for me today. Okay. You know, yeah, it did work for me because I think it did what it was intended to do, and it's make fans loud and mad and boo him a lot, and make us more interested in seeing him wrestle Brian Pillman, which mission accomplished for me. I am more interested in seeing that match than I was prior to this uh, this segment. And I think a lot of other people would would probably agree. Okay, well, if now, that's, if that's what you it, think, there's, only, now, there's a limitation to that for me. Uh, because I've already seen MJF beat the better varsity blonde. So <laughs> what's he do? You just have to throw in your, your, your beautiful baby boy, don't you? I absolutely do. Yeah. He'll, he'll get it back. He will yeah. get it back. When, uh, when Griff Garrison beats MJF for a championship in like seven years and avenges that loss. <laughs> you just wait. You just wait. The next time that they have a big match, it's going to be for a title. I said that the last time that they wrestled, and I still believe that to be true. Uh, speaking of Brian Pillman Jr., he does come out and uh, tries to attack MJF with a chair, but uh, it doesn't work. So, but Pillman Jr.'s dipshit, but that shirt was cool as hell. The whole, uh, tiger, the whole tiger face t-shirt. Yeah. You know, what, you know what? Fuck the Bengals, though, because we, we, we nearly had another NFL tie and another NFL tie with the Bengals at that, and they, they went and blew it by kicking a field goal. God yeah, I, uh, I lost a, a fantasy matchup uh, solely due to Aaron Rodgers' poor performance, so that was my fantasy football league. <sighs> Yeah, I, I I caught some heat. I caught some heat here in the household because I I, saw, I thought it was hilarious that the entire NFC North lost. Was very funny. Um, however, I'm very confident Aaron Rodgers will give me a, a great performance next week as he is playing the Detroit Lions in Green Bay. Ooh, that uh, about be... the easiest game you could possibly ask for if you're a Green Bay Packers quarterback. That would be the Detroit Lions that you support, right? Support. <laughs> Quotes. Well, you know what? I didn't think the Steelers were going to win on, on Sunday, I, and somehow they did. So, Michigan, And I spent a lot of time at a lot of Lions games, and I spent a lot of time looking at a screen in which the Lions were playing. Uh, supportive is not the word that I would use. Okay. What, what, what would... My relationship to the Lions, oh. which I can only describe as abusive. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think a lot of sports... Uh... I think a lot of sports teams can feel that way. Certainly, I feel that way about Arsenal right now. But yeah, anyway. but I, I think there's like a small, especially like in North American sports, I think there's like a small contingent of like really abused fan bases or like really downtrodden ones. I think the really elite club would probably be like the Lions, the Maple Leafs. Uh, I just, but being in Toronto, Maple Leafs fans really remind me of Lions fans. <laughs> they just like they act like them, talk like them. It's just kind of that same vibe. Um, Cleveland Browns fans obviously are in there um that's like the top tier well that's because you know the cubs got their world series yeah Um, exactly yeah the cubs reset the clock on that one so yeah yeah so i think i I think those are like your your tops like the the lions the leafs the browns are probably like your your top elite like uh uh, totally fucked fan bases Hmm. what do you what would you say about the raiders 
Oh, uh, you know, no, the Raiders were good for like a long time too, though. Like, so the Raiders had a period of being good. Yeah, but that was like, yeah, but that ended in like 1995. Like even the Maple Leafs to a point. Like the Maple Leafs are an original six team that like were good for a long time at one point. Yeah, uh, the Lions were like one of the oldest football teams who have never been good. They had an NFL championship when they were like fucking wearing leather helmets. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I think Gerald Ford was still playing for U of M like the last time they won a championship. Like, <laughs> All right, anyway, we are way up. We are made it to the peanut farm the last time the Lions won a championship. Okay, so since we have this, uh, we're talking about football, uh, we can move on to Jim Ross uh, talking backstage with uh, Brian Pillman Jr., and this was just kind of whatever. Yeah, uh, what was weird about this one was that Jim Ross basically said everything that Brian was going to say before Brian said it which I thought was a weird way to structure a promo like this. Like it made everything Brian said less effective because I already heard Jim tee it up for him, you know? Right. But at the same time, there's also the, you know, the, the elephant in the room of Brian Pillman's not that good of a promo. So it's an okay. Promo. I would say like, I, I don't, I think he's got like a good sort of natural energy. Like I think he's believable in that, like, ah, shucks kind of, I'm just me sort of way. But that's only interesting enough to a point in professional wrestling. That shit's way it gets it gets across way better in real sports. Uh, but wrestling, you got to have something that's more over the top. And yeah, he's not there yet. With that, uh, we go backstage again for Alex Marvez and uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express are there, and uh, you know they accept you know Adam Cole and the Young Bucks challenge. So. Hey, it's on, brother. Let's wrestle. It's on. Our second match of the evening, uh, FTR, the the not retired FTR. Like, uh, hey, I took a look. I took a really big shot on that, hoping that I would be wrong, obviously. But I figured, hey, if I took a really big swing on like a really unlikely thing and ended up being right, I'm like, oh shit, you called it. We make podcasts, we do content. I throw a lot of stuff out there, man. Most of the time, I'm going to be wrong. It's good to admit you have a problem. I mean, yeah, I have a problem. I make fucking wrestling podcasts. Of course I have a problem. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, anyway, they are up against... Catch on Wrestling Brain, Friday nights, twitch.tv slash wrestling brain. They are up against <laughs> Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. And thankfully, no sign of creepy Mike Seidel. So that, that, that already raised my estimation of this match. But it will also raise my estimation of this match. The they, fact they, that just, Dante Martin is just so serious. fucking good. What? Dante's they they injured Mike, so he had to go hang out with Darius backstage. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! My brother's on the shelf. Your brother's on the shelf. <laughs> what if what if Darius and Mike come back as a tag team? <laughs> I think we have had Dante Martin going solo more than we've had matches from Top Flight in AEW so, so far. I hope Darius gets back quick because Darius is also like lost in the shuffle here. Darius Martin is really, really good as well. Yeah. He's so, also really good. I watched a lot of Airwolf in Chicago, man. That motherfucker can go. Oh, boy. Uh, FTR do get the win on Dante Martin with, uh, what was it, Big Rig? Yeah, that Big Rig. Did Dante? Yeah, we need to praise Dante just a little more before we move on, right? Go right ahead. At, at his age, I mean, you know, beating a dead horse has no business being as good as he is at his level of experience. But even more so than that, it's... It's his movement, it's his fluidity, and it's like his enthusiasm and effort and everything that goes into everything that he does. He has 
an energy that I can only really compare to like probably Rey Mysterio around the same age. That's like the only thing I got oh, wow. for you. And like those those big giant movements, right? And that incredible body control and, and, and how everything feels like it's just got like you you're holding your breath before everything happens. So uh, his comebacks are so effective and when he starts like getting back at someone like it really you can feel the crowd's energy sort of shift and you're kind of moving up in your seat right and like he's doing stuff and you kind of lean forward he really captures something that very few guys do and i think he's going to be a a huge star because of it so so who's going to be the psychosis to his uh ray mysterio if you know the the matches i'm talking about it's going to be the psychosis to dante's ray mysterio god it's mm, mm, that's a really good question. Like who keeps up there at that age? It's it's probably what? like a jungle boy if you like but like a who? A jungle boy would be like my first like thought. But I guess we gotta see I mean that's organic, right? Those things come out of getting the matches and getting the work in. So I wanna see Darius find those rivals through, you know, having matches, whether it's through dark or elevation or, you know, on Fridays or Wednesdays. Yeah. Well, we can come back to that question. So anyway. who's his who's his Huckleberry? <laughs> I don't know. I you know, I, I I've heard the line. I don't even know the reference, honestly. That's what? Tombstone. Val Kilmer. I you know, I never actually saw that movie. Have you never seen? I actually just recently rewatched that. It's uh, it's a fun western. I think it's 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 got a lot going on for it. I it's worth watching. So I like the, the 90s revival westerns. I think they're very. Uh, I have very fond memories of them. Um, on that note, CM Punk discusses the internet meme of the week from wrestling Twitter of the Suzuki incident. The Suzuki incident. Yeah, I, I never thought Minoru Suzuki would become a meme, but here we are. Or at least that would become a meme. Not a little bit though. Like he's a lot of his like facials and gifts and stuff has like become pretty. And like he had the uh, the I hope you get hit by a car uh, uh, line that like screen grabs have gone around a lot on. Oh yeah. So, like, yeah. He's a pretty capable wrestler. Oh yeah, yeah. You, 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 well, I mean, you you've seen my Twitter account, you know the uh, yeah, and he's like a, the pin, and the, he's pin a, the pin the pin the pin tweet on there is him saying, you know, you should stay at home in bed, bastard. See, like he's got and he's got those. They kind of get around and like he leans into you know having fun in the fun the more fun side of professional wrestling. Uh, again, guys who are self aware, right? Like he knows how everyone views him and loves to subvert that. I mean, everybody talks about how you know he, you know, he's a king of pancreas and and he, you know, a, a, a progenitor of, of MMA and all this, but yet they never talk about how he, you know, had a, a great feud on the indies with you know Mecca Mummy or how he, you know, wrestled a, 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 a an eight year old girl at the a show. The pandemic took away our chance to see him wrestle Orange Cassidy in what I'm certain would have been an absolutely incredible match. Oh yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, still. Owed that, and I now that the forbidden door is open, we deserve it, and it should happen on a Wednesday or a Friday night. Uh, all I'm going to say is I, I still remember one of my favorite promos of his, where where he was starting. To, he it was in New Japan where he he started mocking uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón, and somebody yelled in the crowd to complete the phrase Los Ingobernables de Japón, and Suzuki just stops and says, "Who said that?" I'll murder you right now. <laughs> and he, he gets out and grabs That's a chair really and starts hunting the, the person. Shout out to MJF. One of the, I thought one of the bright spots during MJF's live promo was when the, the shut the fuck up chant started. He just simply said no and moved on. And yeah. I thought that was a touch. Uh, 
so we get a promo from mostly Lance Archer, but Minoru Suzuki, and uh, we get a we even get a Suzuki Gonichiban out of this. So hell yeah, brothers! Challenging yeah. challenging John Moxley and Eddie Kingston uh, at the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yes. So there's another Grand Slam for you. Yeah, there we go. Uh, we come back, and uh, Malachi Black comes out. And you know what? This is the first time I've ever actually really gotten to hear his his entrance song. And I hope to God that this is actually a real song. It's so fucking good. It actually <laughs> it is. It hard, really dude. actually is. Yeah, no. It, I, mean, I, I, I want to know that. more about this song. Like, who do, who did it and, and, it's and all that. probably another Mikey Ruckus joint. Like, Mikey Ruckus is crushing it. Uh, he's doing all kinds of fun stuff, but no, this this slaps. It's, it rocks super hard. It captures his energy and the energy of this character perfectly. The lighting in this thing is perfect. They've nailed this entrance, and I would, uh, I'm I'm confident in saying it's one of the absolute best entrances in all of professional wrestling right now. Uh, it just it's perfect. Uh... He starts off uh, cutting a promo about there's an enemy in our mess, and it turns out to be uh, Rosario Dawson. The real enemy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so Rosario Dawson, you know, one of Cody Rhodes' co-hosts on the Go Big show, um, comes out, gets involved, and that brings out Cody Rhodes dressed like Keno from Pro Wrestling Noah. I, uh, I'm Cody Joestar coming back again. <laughs> This was another. This was a Cody Joestar night, Jeff, and you know it. Cody Joestar now, huh? This was a Cody Joestar night. I have said so. This so, before. so, what's his stand? I have said this before. Cody is a Joestar, and like once in a while, this like there are Cody Joestar nights. I think this was a Cody Joestar night. So, 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 uh, what, what's Cody's stand? I don't know what Cody's stand. Is. I'm still trying to figure out like all of the intricacies of Cody as a Joestar, and I think uh, our, our colleague Chris Damasano uh, has done a good job sort of fleshing this out with some of his takes on it. All I know is that Cody is in the is in the Joestar canon. Uh, Cody Rose's career is itself a bizarre adventure. <laughs> I was gonna think I, uh, Chris Damasano would have been uh, absolutely pissed about the the very assertion that. Cody Rhodes is a Joe star, but, uh, look, but man, Cody is a, here's the thing. If you, if you look at Cody's career, you can't really deny that Cody's a Joe star. Uh, whatever the case, they, uh, they, they brawl all through the crowd and, uh, yeah. So this that's great. Uh, so it looked like I'm going to be on an Island for this take. So I want to make sure I get it out there. Seemed like this wasn't very well received as a segment. I loved it. I loved it from start to finish from Malachi's entrance all the way until the commercial break. I thought this was incredibly well executed. Uh, so, Jeff, let's talk about one of our favorite subjects on this podcast. Okay. WWEification. Okay. So, I think the reaction to this segment is owed in large part to the WWEification of our minds. That's something that we like to talk about here a lot, Jeff. Because it seems like people just like were immediately turned off by the idea of like celebrity intervention on a show as if WWE invented celebrity wrestling crossover. And that's just simply not true. Yeah. Crossover and wrestling has been part of the whole show for as long as it's been a thing, right? Like wrestling is supposed to intersect with other parts of culture and always has. And it's, you know, been that intersection. It's like one of the parts of what makes wrestling so cool and so interesting. Vince obviously leaned into that and used that as a business model for WWE. But, you know, uh, Joe Frazier was a referee for a Ric Flair-Dusty match at Starcade in, what, 81, 83, something like that. 
You have Ali Inoki. You have things that date way, way back pre-WWE and pre-WrestleMania. Um, and, and I think these type of things are just like woven into the fabric of pro wrestling. But what I like about the segment as a whole is it encompassed all these different goofy sort of parts of pro wrestling. You had this like big overdone baby face return with the, you know, the big suit and just like looking very obvious and very uh, 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 heavy handed. You had that celebrity running. You had the brawl in the stands. You had the drink throwing and the and the getting personal. And you had uh, uh, the commentary really playing into it. You had the commercial break. You know, we have to restore order type thing. This is all very classic, like uh, uh, kind of nitro era to me in a lot of spots, like as far as TV goes. I don't know. It all worked for me. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, n- not every celebrity cameo can be, you know, Andy Kaufman in Memphis either. So... Obviously not. But, like, see, but these are things. Like, uh, and there's a great example of something that predates uh, that. And, like, these, you know, crossovers with celebrity are, you know, part of pro wrestling, right? Yeah. I mean, I... I, I they're going to use, you know, their own people and things that, you know, fit into what they're doing right now. And it being Rosario Dawson. I would have loved to see Cory Booker take a black mask but you know i can't win them all <laughs> uh we come back from commercial can uh, use all that money he gets from big pharma to heal his wounds Ooh. uh we come back Eat shit cory booker all right Keep damn going. uh we we come back uh from commercial and Allie the bunny is uh not impressed with anna jay so that that's the the basis of that promo we then go to the to backstage and uh anna jay's trying to cut a promo and here are a bunch of men talking over her well they're they're mad her her lads are mad you know and you know parenting is really hard jeff sometimes your kids just won't shut up dead mother anna is up to here with this shit she has has had it up to here that's she has she has had it up to here and oh sorry you cut out no one in dark after this jeff yeah, nope, nope. The, no, they're... no one's going to get a Transformers toy. John Silver <laughs> likes extra pickles, and he's not getting them. Yeah, well, uh, so... Dark Order orders the exact uh, uh, Jim Cornette meal that uh, Bruce Pritchard talks about. <laughs> That's everyone in Dark Order. Double cheese, double onion. Oh, boy. Uh, so Ty Conti and, and Anna J abscond because uh, they're, they're, they're tired of this bullshit. Uh, like, hey, let's go. They do like their little pinky laugh. Like, okay, bye. We then go into the ring and Dan Lambert and America's top team with uh, the men of the year are in the ring, uh, including Paige Van Zant, which I guess I found out that Vince has tried many times to get her to come to WWE, and then here she is just with no fanfare. Yeah, this is something that uh, she's talked about before a bunch, that she's like had talks with them. Although, it's hard to know how much of that was really real, and how much of that was Paige with, during contract negotiations with UFC and Bellator and Bare Knuckle, which guys, that was all happening around the same time around her free agency. So, do take that, especially, I do believe that she is also rep by Ali Abdelaziz, I think, so, you know, take that with a gigantic grain of salt. But it would not surprise me. Uh, you know, Paige has a great personality. Obviously, the the look that Vince McMahon is looking for. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, was really cool to see this whole top team crew there. Paige, not even close to the biggest star among that group to me. I think it's Kayla Harrison's the real money back there. Uh Anyway, uh, Dan Lambert's uh, conservative talk radio persona brings out Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. 
Dan Lambert fucking gets it, Jeff. Like, there's one thing that whether it's, you know, you enjoy the character, you don't enjoy the character content, regardless, the one thing that I think is uh, kind of hard to deny is that Dan Lambert understands professional wrestling and understands crowd work specifically. Indeed, indeed. I, you know, he, 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 he is working it. No, he's working and he's doing a really good job. I mean, he's got crowds eating out of the palm of his hand. Now, he understands how to let stuff breathe. His timing is really good for a guy who doesn't have a ton of experience. Uh, I mean, he just did a back and forth with Chris fucking Jericho. And Indeed. He yeah, he did. Uh, we think that will lead to Chris Jericho. It's really Jer- hard to believe Chris Jericho like, talking about, like, oh, I got this guy, Jake Hager, who's undefeated in MMA. Like, literally against 10 cans. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jake Hager's like strength of schedule is really yeah. Uh, like his his wins in MMA uh, are faker than his win over Wardlow in that cage. Ooh, uh, we will be getting Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page coming up, I believe, on a forthcoming Rampage. Is that correct? Or or on Dynamite? Which I is think it? A ramp- is it a Rampage? Is it a Rampage? A- okay, cool. It's a Rampage. Awesome. It's a rampage. We then get a gun club promo, which whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, oh, wait! You say that, Jeff? Yeah, I do say that because I, I don't want to talk about what, Billy Gunn. Yeah, well, you, you can't really overlook um, the undefeated gun club, Jeff. They are undefeated, and wins and losses matter in all elite wrestling. Okay, so, is this where we I talk know. about strength of schedule? <laughs> well, this is—I mean, this is something uh, that's worth pointing out. Uh, you know, you want to overlook them, but it's hard to when they haven't lost, right? So I, I think this is interesting. I think there's probably a trios division coming. I hope we've been talking about this for 18 months. It hasn't happened yet. Well, these are things you lay groundwork for slowly, right? These are things that you roll out over the course of a couple of years. It seems more likely than it has in the past, and they are in a position to do this now. So, you know, having establishing the gun club as like a, a trio with wins is worth it. Colton Gunn between his tag team and trios match, like literally like 26 and 0 as an AEW wrestler. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like quietly, Colton Gunn has like the second best record behind fucking Jungle Boy. Our third match and the real main event of the evening. Jade Cargill versus legit Layla Hirsch. Um, I just want to get my one negative comment about this out of the way. JR needs to fuck off on women's matches because goddamn. <laughs> I you know. I guess maybe I missed some of his commentary on this one. What was uh? What you what you notice on this one? He, he he said something about the females. Like, oh, that's oh, just Jesus you know, Christ! I think that's just addiction, though. Like I'm not going to give him too much on the way he's been talking literally his whole life. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's just a jarring way to say it, right? Like, oh, Jade Cargill, female superstar. Yeah, it, it, there is something sort of. I guess bad. Can we just like, say bad. You, you could say the word bad on this. I program. guess it's just bad. I guess it's just bad. But like, I don't really pay enough attention to. It. I just go, ooh, well, whatever. Yeah. It's it's Jim Ross. Like you know, we've we've it, it, literally beating a dead horse because he's essentially deceased at this point. But yeah, I, I don't want to spend the rest of the time talking about Jim Ross because this match oh, fucking sure. ruled. It's just in very fun new Cody shirt. We'll talk about it later. This match did rule. Oh my god. I, I I very much enjoyed this match. I love the fact that Lila Hirsch actually was like a, a, a task for Jade Cargill to get past. Yeah, yeah, she hasn't had I think what Red Velvet was probably the last opponent that tested her to this level, and that was like her one of her 
first like handful of AEW matches. Right. So we've been seeing her be really, really dominant uh, in the matches she's had over the last couple months. With good reason. She should be. We should be seeing her beat people up. But it's nice to see her get a test. Unfortunate that Layla Hirsch has to take an L here. Uh, I really like Layla Hirsch, but it's not going to really affect her because, again, Jay Cargill is going to be a really big deal. So losing to Jay Cargill, you know, won't be a big blemish on your record. Yeah, uh, no. Going but no, it was a nice test for her. Layla works a very different style, and she's a very different size and different uh, look than, you know, Jade's had some of her other opponents. So uh, to see her progress, I think the speed and the timing need to be, get there more. But that's just something that comes with, you know, literally years of experience. Uh, they're doing a good job protecting her, not overexposing her, not putting her in any positions to fail. She's only in a position to succeed. So if she stays that way, Jeff, uh, we're on the right track, track with Jade. Uh, Jade Carroll, of course, does get the win over legit Layla Hirsch. And, uh, yeah, that match rocked. Uh, we then go. Uh, that one had a, was it the picture in picture at the top of that match or in the middle? It, it was like, like, like kind of more or less at the top of it. Yeah, yeah, they got kind of got it out of the way, so I guess that's was respectable. And it finished strong. Uh, Jade's finisher, awesome. The Jaded thing, really good. Indeed. Uh, we then get a backstage promo with Andrade El Idolo. Uh, he's uh, he's not happy with the help right now. This so. is a really cool direction for this character to go, Jeff. I, not exactly what I had expected from Andrade, and uh, good, right? Like we kind of thought something else, and we thought maybe this Death Triangle stuff would play out more. But I think it was more of a teaser for Andrade kind of being wanting to be the boss, wanting to be in charge, wanting to have more power now that he, you know, feeling held back by people around him. And I think that's a really interesting direction for this character. Yeah. Um, we then go back to the commentary table and uh, Taz and Hook got some words for CM Punk. This uh, gets Punk off the mic and brings out Powerhouse Hobbs. And, nice uh, little distraction there. I, I, people were all, you know, uh, eyes on Punk and Hook, finally staring down, facing off, getting face to face, nose to nose, chest to chest, mouth to mouth, lips to lips, nothing. Anyways, uh, Will Hobbs <laughs> came out. Um, and I, we have our first announce table spot in AEW history that I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Maybe. I mm. think so. Yeah. Or yo, wait, wait, wait. No, they're they've jumped off the. I don't think they've broken an announce table. Yeah, they haven't. They have not broken it. I don't think they have broken an announce table. If you know about any broken announce tables that we don't know about, you can tweet us at BGTD Podcast and tell us what uh, tables got broken. Uh, when we come back, we get a uh, a Sean Spears promo that leads into our fourth match of the evening: Darby Allen with Steve Stinger versus Sean Spears. Um, yeah. <laughs> The, the, the chair guy. Yeah, the chair guy. I mean, the, the, the match was fine. There are There is an elephant in the room that we have imagine, talked about. Yeah, imagine um, Sean Spears walking into the AEW office, but they just hired Rob Schneider from that SNL sketch. And he's like, Sean, the chairman, the chairmeister, chair dude, making coffee. Oh, he's got those chairs. Don't sit down on me, brother. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. <laughs> Rob Schneider, huh? Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider. What happened to him? <laughs> uh, he's still uh, somewhere like, uh, like you know how those remoras, like the little ones that like like hang on sharks? 
You know, right. like they stick to a shark, like like belly, and they like kind of suck on him and yeah, like, yeah. kind of just ride along. He does that to Adam Sandler. Right. Yeah. I, that, that's why I hadn't seen him, and you know, he's able to find life and sustenance that way, much like a Romora. Uh, Darby Allen does get the win over Sean Spears, and uh, afterwards, FTR attack, uh, including Tully wiping the makeup off a of sting. So disrespectful, which he, uh, they did to Darby Allen earlier in the match, too. There was like a wipe that make off off. And, they did. Uh, yes. Shout out to the commentary team for saying, that's his identity. It's his personality. How dare they? Yeah. I like when they do that kind of stuff. That was a nice little touch. But yes, uh, Steve Stinger uh, really, first of all, showing that, hey, I'm 63 years old and I can still take this spike pile driver. And then showing I still look like I'm 63 years old when you take this face paint off. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough. <laughs> Turns out I'm old. <laughs> Funny that. Uh, we then get a replay. Proud of FTR for hitting the pile drive sting, you know, knowing the, the their you know fondness for the horsemen and their kind of career parallels to the horsemen. Uh, them getting the pile drive sting, I'm sure, was a big moment for them. Oh yeah, I'm sure they they they, they were marking out backstage. Uh, we then get a replay of Brian Danielson's promo from uh, from Rampage, where he calls the elite insecure, and then. We go into the ring with Tony Schiavone and Brian Danielson, which brings out Don Callis and Kenny Omega. Hey, what do you think of uh, Ride of the Valkyries trap mix? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting used to it. <laughs> I think I dig it. At first, I was like, hmm, I'm not sure. But by the third time I heard it, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know what? Cool. Yeah, we're, we're di- we, we dig this. Um, yeah, so a uh, lot of S-bombs getting dropped on this show tonight. They said shit a lot. They certainly did. You know who didn't say shit? Chuck Taylor. Chuck Still. Taylor. Sorry, Chuck Taylor. Poor Dustin. Poor, poor unloved Dustin. When he gets to say shit, that crowd is going to come unglued like when Punk came back. Hell yeah. Let's uh, see it on a live mic in the middle of the ring. That's all I hope. Long story short, we have a challenge. Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson next week at Grand Slam. Non-title. Non-title, that's right. Non-title. So what do you think about this being a non-title match, Jeff? Ooh, I mean, it really could go either way, couldn't it? Yeah, so I mean, so let me, let, let's expand that out a little bit, because I think this is a fun concept. How do you feel about this type of thing in general, these, like, challenging the champ for a non-title match scenarios? I mean, I think it, it, it's awful big of Brian Danielson to say, nah, I don't want the title right now. I just want to beat your ass. I, right. I think that's I, I think that's a good move. Moving past Danielson and Kenny, uh, in general, like this as a wrestling device, are you fond of it? Is it something that you get into, or do you not like it? I mean, it's not... It's not a. It doesn't offend me in any way. It's okay. it's it's a standard storytelling device to get to a title challenge, basically. Uh, fair. I think my big nitpick on it, especially with a character like Kenny, is like, why? Like they're they've proven, and like we've talked about this all year on this very podcast. Like the elite has really forged their identity of being the most insufferable shitheads you can possibly imagine. Right. And that's, what's really gotten this over and their angles over and what's sold us all on the elite as a top heel stable is that they've just been the worst. So like, why would they give this guy this chance? Why would they just be like, no, fuck you. I'm just going to not wrestle you. Like make me. 
Well, okay, because well, like, the, 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 like the real reason slide sort of shining through it, like Callis being the guy that says no and Kenny saying yes does like sort of explain that for me and like does help me like along that path. But I, I don't know. I would like to see Brian have to work a little harder to get this match. But also, um, let's not forget that Brian Danielson actually is a bigger name than Kenny Omega. So, of course, yeah, that's yeah. why they're going to well, do it. <laughs> well, Kenny Omega is the champion here in all elite wrestling. That's where we are right now. You know, Brian still is new to there. Kenny still is the guy that's holding the belt, right? He's still the top prize. And what's the top prize? It's the championship. Uh, and if Brian's coming here to say, you know, my, the match that I want is more important than your championship, that's a little counterproductive, too. And those are the things that I guess I kind of worry about there. I don't think they'll ultimately matter that much because a really, really good wrestling match always covers that kind of shit up. So really, it's just up to these guys having a good match, which I'm near certain will happen. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that will happen next week uh, at uh, at uh, Grand Slam. That's and a then, Grand Slam right there. And then we get Miro. Yeah, we do. Blessed be the Redeemer. He is feeling pretty redemptive. He tries to redeem Fuego again. Uh, what did, what is was the knife line? Did you get the, catch the knife line? I did. Uh, you're holding a knife to, or you're leaning up to a knife that already. What, do you have that? Oh. I said, I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Down. Like you, your neck has already been on this plate or something like that. Yeah, it's like you're you're leaning up to a knife that's already given you. I don't know. It was good. It, it was, was really, good. It was really good. It was really good. We come back from commercial. Character's great, and he again he promised he was going to smash the car. He's going to smash that car. Oh yeah, yeah. A, a car is going to be smashed. Period. We come one back. One of the from... best things about wrestling, by the way, is when we destroy cars. They... name one car se- destruction segment that wasn't awesome. Hmm. They're one hundred percent good. Well. Watching a car get smashed is fun. I mean, there was the—I I mean, there was the, the the Vince McMahon car explosion thing that he had to redact like a week later because you know Chris Benoit murdered his family. Well, but prior to the Chris Benoit murder, that shit was hilarious. I wasn't watching then, so <laughs> I couldn't actually you see Vince McMahon's limo blow up. You're gonna go, whoa! I guess watch a car explode on TV. Watching cars explode on TV rocks. We come back. Matt Hardy threatening to shave Orange Cassidy's head. I don't think there's a universe in which Orange Cassidy is shaving his head. No, no, this ends with Hardy getting his head shaved. Yeah, it has to. Matt is absolutely getting his head shaved, for he, sure. If, if this was Mexico, he'd be getting a huge payday off of it, too. Oh, uh, He's going to get, like, a medium-sized payday off of it, yeah. I'm sure. I'm I mean, sure he, like, put a... Matt Hardy is a, he's a worker, he's a businessman. I'm sure he put a haircut clause into his contract. He's like, you got to give me, like, an extra ten grand. Yeah, or something, yeah. Our He's got man- another guy, doesn't he? Doesn't he have, like, fucking five kids now? Uh, no, I think only two that I know of. No, he's got three or more. Well, I don't... I, I don't Definitely see. has three or more. Well, I told you I, I, I blocked Matt Hardy a long time ago. Oh, yeah, he's. I, I mean, Broken Matt was a fun follow at the time, especially like in 2015. Well, that was. Well, I, I blocked him before he was broken because he had said some, in character or otherwise, he had said some insanely anti-immigrant shit, and I was like, nope, not he dealing was doing with this. A lot of drugs. Yeah. He was very hot. You know what? 
If we're not going to take that, you know what? If we're not going to excuse Eric Clapton for that, I'm not going to excuse Matt Hardy. So, I mean, I don't think Eric Clapton really uh, needs to be excused or not. I think I'm pretty sure God, like uh, the universe, worked it out for Eric. Yeah, well, there is that, isn't there? <laughs> I think Eric's, Eric's been paying the piper. Our our fifth match and final match of the evening, not in the main event because the real main event was Jay Cargill versus Layla Hirsch, uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus 2.0 Jeff Parker and Matt Lee. Uh, this was a very fun main event in which Eddie Kingston rocked the house. Yeah, uh, you know, good to see these guys tagging again. I really like that they put them in this match and in this position prior to the uh, Archer Suzuki match. Right. I think it was really cool to have him get like a tune-up of sorts, but also uh, it means getting 2.0 in a main event on Dynamite, which you know, great for those guys. Uh, I've, you know, we talked about not being super familiar with them before they got here. I did hear them speak on uh, Talk Is Jericho uh, while I was on my trip uh, going up to Michigan there, and uh, you know, I think they're really interesting guys, guys who have you know been in the business a really long time and definitely deserve their dues. They're super hard workers. They're really creative. They're very funny. They have great timing. So I'm really excited to see more of them. I hope that, you know, they get, you know, a, a really good run, even a title run. I think it's something that they could you know, deserve in their futures. Uh, but this was a, a, a cool match for these guys to have. Yeah. Um, Moxley does get the win pinning uh, Jeff Parker, uh, you know, after a, uh, a, a, a double team finish, which looked pretty cool. Uh, after that, really good spots Daniel Garcia in this one too. Oh yeah. Garcia's, Man, yeah, I mean, it, that guy is really good. Yeah, he 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 is he is the business, but so is Minoru Suzuki, and we actually get a proper Kaze Ninare entrance this time. I'll be super real with you, Jeff. I was hoping they were going to cut it off again. I honestly, why would you do that? Because I wanted the place to really go fucking bananas at Arthur Ashe when they actually got the payoff, but I wanted them to have to like. Because here's the thing, if they didn't actually get it until the end, and especially if Suzuki and Archer won and then got that moment, oof, you'd have that place blowing up. And I get it, this is, you know, AEW is the fan service promotion. They give the fans what they want, and they didn't, you know, they genuinely didn't mean to cut the entrance. We're working into a storyline now, but, you know, they didn't mean to cut, not to give the fans what they wanted. And they want to give the fans, you know, this satisfaction. You know, Suzuki's only does so many American dates. Give the people what they want. I get that. But this is wrestling. And I just really wanted to see. I like heat, man. I like to see crowds go really, you know, a, a, a riled up angry crowd is to me a lot more fun even than, than a satisfied one. Hey, on that note, uh, you do know that uh, his, uh, his his four GCW dates start this Friday. So I will probably not be watching Rampage Live. Uh, I, I will be watching Rampage Live uh, because I will be hosting Wrestling Brain, Brain Rampage at twitch.tv slash wrestlingbrain right after it goes off the air. But uh, the IWTV stuff I'll definitely be checking out. I don't think it's going to be on IWTV. I think at least one of those matches is on, is on IWTV. Well, GCW yeah. won't be. GCW one isn't, but I know he no. has matches. I think he's got a Paradigm match. And uh, where is he wrestling Gresham? Not at GCW, right? Uh, no, that is GCW. That's GCW? That's GCW, brother. Oh, okay. Well, I'll yep. check that out. Uh, yep. Uh, I don't see a paradigm on here, but I, I, uh, 
I, I need to go through and, and double check one last time the uh, the itinerary before I post it on. Yeah, uh, I can't keep all those things straight unless I have them right in front of me. Well, I'm going. To, yeah, I mean, I, I've compiled a list, but I don't have all of them. I don't think I have anywhere close to all of them yet. But uh, that being said, did you on a related note, did you see who got added to the uh, the uh, the G, the GCW show with Suzuki in New York on the 24th? Um, a bunch of people did. Which one are you talking about? Is that, that's is that emo fight? Not emo fight. No, that's not emo fight. It's get lost a lot. Get emo fights and yeah. No, this one it, got added to this. Uh, Tony Devin versus Taiji Ishimori. Oh, that one. That's really interesting. And you know, I'm a big fan of Bone Soldier. I've uh, talked about Ishimori quite a bit. Ishimori had one of my favorite matches in New York a couple years ago. That's gonna be really good. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Devin so getting some really interesting matches. He's got. Uh, the Ishimori match has got a uh, looks like he's got a match with Ron Funches coming up in LA. Yeah, that's uh that's on uh that's on Friday. That yeah. match is on Friday, so and with that, we close out AEW Dynamite from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. And uh we are way over the time that I am allotted here. <laughs> so uh on that note, Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can find me on Twitter at CoolStepUncle, twitch.tv slash ThickFlare, and of course, every Friday night right after uh, Rampage goes off the air, twitch.tv slash WrestlingBrain. Uh, we do a Wrestling Brain Rampage recap, uh, me and Nick East. It's a really great time. Check that out and uh, watch a bunch of Norm McDonald clips. Just like watch clips when you get a chance. That's what I'll plug. You can find me at Strong Style Story without the Ian Style on Twitter. Um... My personal Twitter at GD Wessel, two S's, one L. Uh, last weekend, I dropped both uh, Strong Style Story previewing G1 Climax and Busting Balls previewing uh, the Champions League, which has already started. And there's already been some surprises in the Champions League. So, huzzah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Man, you lost yesterday. With, uh, was that Ronaldo's uh, uh, first game back? No, his second game back. Second game back. Okay. Yeah, his second game back. You hate to see it. He did score, but Manu lost anyway. So, sure. yeah, how about that? Uh, Paul, any last words? Yeah, uh, please uh, be sure to check out uh, Chris Jericho's got a sixth book coming out. Uh, it's called OJ Simpson is Definitely Guilty. Rest in peace, Norm McDonald. We'll see you next week. <laughs>